The reading this morning is for a new year. It's from the book of Ecclesiastes, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. Ecclesiastes literally means the preacher. Following this scripture reading, you will remain seated, but turn to number 770. It's not really a hymn, it's a response near the back of the hymn book, and that will be our sung response to this morning's scripture reading. From the preacher. For everything, there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. There's a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This ends our reading from the book of Ecclesiastes. And may this holy description of the rhythm and pattern of all years bless our hearts and those who hear it. Will you continue in the spirit of prayer with me? And may the words of my mouth, gracious God, and the meditations of each of our hearts be offered humbly and faithfully. Amen. A friend wrote of last week these words, and their experience may be similar to one that you had. She wrote, we took down the Christmas tree yesterday. Joe hauled it out the front door in an explosion of pine needles, and he tagged it for the garbage men and left it there by the end of the driveway. I made him wait until the children were in bed. The pickup was the next day, and I couldn't bear seeing it sit out there day after day, our beloved Christmas tree, cast out on a pile of dirty snow. Terrible, she said. They took it away on Friday, which means Christmas is over. Which is a relief in some ways, but there's also sort of hangover in its wake. To me, it feels like something ought to change, like turning the corner of the year and putting away stockings and ornaments they're supposed to have a momentum that is supposed to lead us to somewhere. Something ought to change. And so there's this thing about pledging to change, right? To be a better me in the new year. And my friend continued, she said, I never know what to do with that. She said, I, first off, I think, well, I'd like to sleep better. I'd like to stop hurting people, whether they're people I love or people I've never met. But change, she said, even small change, is really, really hard. I mean, I think she's right. I mean, our habits and our feelings are woven into the patterns of our lives. And if you do tug on one thread, a lot of other ones either resist or they unravel. A lot of people depend on you, depend on me, doing the way 
doing things the way we always have. I don't think I'm alone here. So this new year can be a rather peculiar time. I mean, as my friends suggest, the new year can be exciting because it can bring the hope of new and better things, of, of change for the good, maybe better sleep, maybe hurting people less. And although a new year brings that opportunity, it also reminds us that we do have to pick up where we left off. And although there may be new resolutions, the rhythm and patterns of our lives are still much the same as they were in the old year, before the manger. I mean, think about it. Think about it even in the Christmas story, which was just a few weeks ago. Don't put it in your rearview mirror yet. Consider what a predicament the sheep would have been in the sheep had the shepherds not returned to the sheep after their visit to Bethlehem. I mean, we all know there is a time to lay down our cares and our worries and run. And I mean run with excited spirits to the manger. We know there's a time to cast our worries to the wind and follow the star as the wise men did. There's a time to take the road less traveled. And there's a time to return. To return to the sheep, to return to the office, to the papers that still need to be graded. There's a time where we begin to pick up where we left off just a few weeks ago. But I would guess that that can sometimes be a frustrating or even hard lesson to learn. Because I don't know about you, but after Christmas Eve or the pageant and the story, when we have been persuaded to run to Bethlehem, it does seem strange and difficult to tear ourselves away. And I do understand that sometimes for Christmas or the New Year, that hope for what will come is only temporary relief from the challenges of what may have been a very difficult 2019. So yes, we have proclaimed Christ is born. And yet, wars and rumors of wars persist. Maybe a relationship continues to wobble. The unsatisfying job on December 20th is well, probably still less than satisfactory on January 12th. Sometimes picking up where we left off is not our first choice. But then there is the other side of the new year. It does bring new expectations and hope for new life. Now, that may have made more sense, that sort of balance of rhythm and pattern that we return to and hope for new life in the 18th, 17th, and 16th and 17th centuries in colonial America. Because I don't know if you knew this, but until 1752, I know you love when I come up with some dates, but until 1752, you can look it up, the new year began on March 25th. The new year began on March 25th. And so the hopes of a new year arrived at the same time as the arriving spring. And Easter. I mean, that makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, for everything, there is a season. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to rend, but a time to sow. 
And for everything, there is a season. And what makes better sense than the hope of a new year beginning with the coming of springtime? I mean, it makes sense to me why the calendar recognized the new year at the end of March. It's not springtime here. I don't know if you've noticed. We happen to be in the middle of, well, January. It is what it is, right? And we know there is still more cold and more snow to come. And so we are called, even in the time of hope of a new year, to also pick up where we left off before the holidays. And then at that same time, to make a new start. For everything, there is a season, a time to begin and a time to return. But we need to remember this as a family of faith. The world will not change for the better unless you and I are changed still by the spirit of Christ's birth. The world will not change for the better unless the spirit of Christmas is born into the cold and snow of January. The world will not grow the hope it needs unless you and I help it grow. It was some years back during the Advent season that I asked you in a sermon to consider for a few days to give up your to-do list. And we all know there's lots to do all year long, but in Advent, right? Lots to do. And instead I asked you to make a to-be list. I wanted you to think of who you wanted to be in that season. Well, it's time for a to-be list in this new year. And I don't know what faithful characteristics or actions you wish to have. Maybe it is simply to get a better night's sleep. But maybe it's to be more generous of spirit, more patient, find time for prayer. So I want you to consider your to-be list. But while you do that, I want you to be careful not to do something I once read about. A person who played, instead of making a to-be list, they invented a game where, and they played it every New Year's Eve, that they wanted to imagine if you could be any other person in the world, any other person in the world, who would you be? And let me tell you what this person discovered. The one rule is you could not choose yourself, okay? But here's the caution. Remember, if you choose someone else, you not only get the brains or the beauty, the talent or perhaps the great treasure of the other person, you also get the shadow side. You also get their heartbreaks. You get their past and perhaps their future struggles as well. And he said the game at first is really difficult until the secondary rule was always, okay, you can choose anyone, living or dead now, who you would want to be. And then people begin to toss off names, but then everyone counters with some heartache or sadness or difficulty that that person, famous or not, encountered. And so you don't need to play the game. I'm going to tell you how it came out every year, this author said, years after years, every New Year's Eve. Again, she said at first, they would toss off names easily. But then, then they would remember that everyone has these difficult troubles or challenges in their lives. And they would conclude this, that they would rather have their own troubles or challenges 
because they had learned or are still learning to live with them. They no longer play the game because it ended the same way every time. Every person chose to be themselves. I mean, isn't that interesting enough? That with seven billion people to choose from, they always ended up choosing themselves to walk their own journey and not someone else's. Last Sunday was Epiphany Sunday, recognized in some traditions as the date upon which the wise men concluded their journey at the manger. But remember when they began it in the story? It's a journey with an unknown destination. There's no specific ending. I mean, for goodness sake, they're following a star, right? But their journey demanded patience and perseverance. Much as I suspect the coming year will demand as well. But when the wise men came to the manger, when they discovered Christ, when they encountered love, they held nothing back, and they gave all that they had. But we have to imagine the journey continued. Yes, they probably returned, of course, to, they, to tell the family and to warn them, but the wise men are, and the new year are actually worth remembering in our lives this day. The pause at the manger helps us to remember that Christmas is not over. Yes, we have returned to the rhythms and patterns of life, and many people depend on you to do that. But Christmas is not over. The wise men's journey reminds us that the vision of the Christ child in a stable, that this was for the wise men but a brief resting place. It was not the end of their story. And you and I, we are still on a journey that will take us in the months to come to a river in Jordan, to a well in Samaria, to the tragedy of the cross, to an empty tomb outside Jerusalem. All of that is part of the journey as well. And almost everyone would never choose to be walking someone else's. Because we are learning to, we have learned or we are learning to handle our own challenges, our own grief, and to do it with one another. So we do, yes, pick up where we left off before Christmas. But we begin with new opportunities to discover on the journey ahead who we are, who we can become in Christ, and yes, of course, to whom we belong. May you have a blessed 2020. Amen.